I love being outdoors. You know, when both of our sons left home and went off to college and, you know, went off to for their lives, my husband and I were like, okay, now what are we gonna do? When you're raising your kids and raising your family and you're doing all the little league and the, you know, the school and working full time, I did not have a lot of opportunity to do things like that. There are so many different variables. You know, which way the bird's gonna go? What kind of bird is it? Is it gonna come straight at you? Is the dog gonna jump up? You know, so every situation, it can be a little different and you just kind of get used to those variables the more you do it. Where do I start? How do I train recall? How long should we work on healing before moving on? Is crate training really that important? We hear these questions all the time and there's one answer that will help with all of them. The complete step-by-step dog training course found at Standing Stone Supply. They break down the what, when, where, and how to train your own dog from eight weeks to one year old. They've got it all laid out for you down to even the daily activity checklist to keep you and your puppy on track. Check out standingstonesupply.com and remember to use code GDIY to save 10%. Being an upland hunter in the South nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20%. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of GDIY presented by Standing Stone Supply. I'm joined this week by Faith Nixon. Faith, how you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm living the dream as always. So you recently reached out to me on an email just kind of breaking down a a recent trip that you took with with your family. And uh, through that email exchange, there's a couple things that we hopped on the phone call. It kind of intrigued me a little bit. I wanted to know more about it. And I thought it was worthy of an episode to kind of talk to you about your journey into the upland space but before we kind of get into all that stuff i want to hear a little bit of backstory kind of introduce yourself tell everybody where you're calling from and and kind of your experience uh in the outdoor space um okay so again my name is faith nixon i am from abington virginia which is central virginia um so i have been around hunting pretty much my whole life um my my husband is an avid hunter um, we, we have two sons and we brought them up, both of them hunted with my husband, you know, their whole lives. Um, I started shooting skeet about 10 years ago, um, off and on. So that was my first real experience for myself with, um, with shooting. And then, um, about, uh, two and a half years ago, we got a German short hair pointer. And, um, so we, um, with the intent of, of bird hunting, I'd never done it before. Um, but I was just so amazed at these dogs and just the, their natural ability to be able to do what they do. It was just so interesting to me and I loved it. So, um, my husband was kind enough to, you know, let me tag along and we, um, you know, I, uh, the the I think I told you the first time that we went, um, I didn't even carry a gun. I just wanted to kind of see, okay, what is all this about? How does it work? What happens? You know, what's it what's it like? Um, which I really enjoyed, and we did that. And 
uh, Virginia does not have a great quail population. So we do um, a lot of our hunting on preserves. Um, uh, my husband will go wild, wild quail hunting here locally a little bit, but there's just not a lot. Um, so it was good for me to go on the preserve because it was controlled and it was just, a, you know, a confined area. It was just, it was a good experience at being a newbie. Right. Um, and then I uh, started carrying started carrying a gun. Um, my husband bought me a shotgun for my birthday. Um, and, um, it, which is nice. It's a, a Beretta a 400, um, that has like a, a, a kickoff system or something in it. So it doesn't kick a lot. So it's very comfortable for me to carry. It's very lightweight. Um, I really, I enjoy shooting it. Um, and, uh, so then, you know, my, my oldest son has a wire-haired griffin. And um, so he uh, was all about upland hunting as well. And he's done some of it throughout the years. He and my husband actually went to Pennsylvania grouse hunting um, with a, his first griffin. Um, so he was, when we got the German short hair, um, he was like, okay, you know, when we going, <clears throat> when we're going to go out West and go quail hunting. So, um, you know, we kind of talked about it off and on. And then I reached out and we talked to some people and we made the decision to go for it. So we planned our trip and went out there with uh, both of my sons and my husband and myself and our three dogs. We now have two German short hairs. And um, and then he has his wirehead griffin. So it was the four of us and our three dogs. And we headed out west and it was it was a awesome awesome experience mm. and we're definitely gonna get into that trip more because that's that's honestly the the trip and its results is what caused you to kind of reach out to me and and make that contact but yeah, yeah you fat you went really fast forward through a lot of that stuff building up to that point uh i want to backtrack a little bit and right. you said that you got into skeet shooting about 10 years ago up until then, you really didn't have any experience in hunting. Did you have any kind of desire or was there a lack yeah. of opportunity? Kind of talk to me. What led you to the skeet shooting aspect? You know, an activity to do with my family. Um, you know, when you're raising your kids and raising your family and you're doing all the little league and the, you know, the school and working full time, um, you know, it just I, I did not have a lot of opportunity to do this and things like that. Um, so we, you know, at, at the kids were grown and they were into it. My husband was into it. We joined a local, uh, gun club that has great, you know, skeet and trap and sporting plays and all of that. Um, so we, uh, started taking advantage of that and it, it was just an opportunity to do something with my husband and my kids. And, um, so that's, that's really why I got into it. Mm. And sometimes that's all that it takes is just kind of dipping your toe into something, getting, getting into it and getting into that 10 years ago. And then you said that you recently, just a couple years ago, got the dog there. There's a pretty good gap. So you clearly got into the skeet shooting and you were comfortable and enjoying that in of itself. You, you weren't really mm -hmm. looking to expand. What was it about the skeet shooting that, that you really appreciated that kept you into it for that long? And then kind of talk to me about when when the the seed about a bird dog and maybe taking that next step into hunting entered your your brain and, and something that you might want to try. Yeah. So the the skeet shooting is just, you know, I, 
I love being outdoors. Um, you know, when both of our sons left home and went off to college and, you know, went off to, for their lives, um, we, my husband and I were like, okay, now what are we going to do? You know? And, uh, so we, we started out, we got into fishing a lot. We did a whole lot of trout fishing, a lot of camping. Um, I just, I really enjoy the outdoors and pretty much anything and everything that has to do with the outdoors. Um, the skeet shooting was just another opportunity to do something, um, outdoors and, um, it was, it was just a lot of fun. Um, I, I enjoyed the challenge. I'm not good at it by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I, um, my husband's he's in the background shaking his head, but Hey, you don't have to be good as long as you're enjoying yeah. it and trying. Right. <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. And that's just it. I think so many people, um, you know, if they aren't really good at something, then they don't really enjoy it. And for me, it's the challenge. It's trying to to learn something new, um, you know, just uh, experience something new and, and try to grow and improve at it. And um, it's just the, it's the whole process. It's not I don't have to be really good at it to enjoy it. And I'm you know, I'm going to work hard to to try to get better at it. Um, it's, it's the whole process. It's the journey, yes. you know, it's not just the destination for me. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I can so agree yeah, with that so sentiment we, so, so much. You're, you're, you're speaking my language now is, is enjoying the process for what it is, you know, going into it is going to be challenging. You may not be the best at it, but as long as you kind of enjoy the process and, and the journey of trying to get better, then, then you can enjoy it. You know, we're not out there trying to win medals or anything, unless, unless you're trialing, of course, you know, then, right. then you're actually trying to win something. Oh. But when it comes to, you know, yeah. <laughs> skeet shooting and, and, uh, hunting and, and training dogs, it's just like, enjoy the process for what it is and, and whichever facet that appeals to you. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. It's just, um, yeah. So that's kind of what carried me through the whole skeet shooting thing. We would shoot with my sons, um, my daughter-in-law, um, would shoot with us. Um, it's just, it, it's just something that we enjoy doing together, you know, as, as a couple with my husband and I, as a family, um, and, you know, talking about the, the dogs. So, um, my husband, uh, okay, let me back up just a little bit. So both of my boys have had dogs and, um, some of them have stayed with us. Actually, my son, when he went to Germany, um, we kept his dogs for him while he was in Germany um, for a year, year and a half or whatever. And, and we loved their dogs. And then my my other son had labs and they he lived just right down the, the street from us. And so we would keep his labs for him. Um, so we always had even though they weren't our dogs, they were our son's dogs. They were a big part uh, of our fa family and household. Well, then, you know, the boys moved away, took their dogs with them. Um, and so we kind of bounced around the idea, hey, you know, maybe we want to get a dog. And um, we kind of talked about it for a long time. And um, and then um, some friends of ours, a local breeder, um, Southern Shorthairs, um, had uh, a litter of German short hairs. And so we went and looked at them and just, of course, it's hard to not love a puppy. Yeah, right. And, um, you know, and they're adult. I know it's just, I'm such a sucker. And, um, 
they, uh, their adult dogs were just so well behaved and just, you know, I, I really loved their, their adult dogs. So we decided to make the leap and got our first German short hair and uh, she's two and a half. She'll be a little over two and a half. She'll be three in February. And um, we, you know, she's just, we love her to death. She's, she's crazy. Anybody that knows a German short hair, boy, they have got some energy and they are a handful, but she's a sweet dog. And uh, we have really enjoyed, you know, um, taking her hunting and just having her as a, as a family pet. And, you know, and then, so then my husband decides he wants to get another German short hair. So this year we got a uh, male and uh, from the same breeder. And um, it, it's so interesting because they're so different. Um you know, she, he's just kind of, not that he's not high energy, he's absolutely high energy, but just not quite as intense as she is. She's, she can be a little hardheaded sometimes, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, yeah, so, um, but yeah, so we love the dogs and we love uh, taking them hunting and, and watching them do their thing. And it was really fun this year. So with the, um, with Bob, our male, um, we took him uh, to a preserve and had some birds laid out um, for him. And he had never been on a bird before, right? So we were like, okay, we don't know what he's going to do. Let's just, let's just see what he does. So the first, the first bird, he could, he was, he, he knew it was there and he ran up on it and the bird blew up and flew away. And he was just like, what was that? And it was like, it was like, a light switch. I mean, you hear people say that and it really is like that because then we did another bird and he went right on point. And, um, and then we, we flushed the bird and shot it and he went and got, got it and brought it straight back. Like he had been doing it, you know, for years, it was, it was just so really cool to be there and experience that with him and just see that it, it, I mean, it was just amazing. Just, I, just ingrained in his genetics, pretty much. It's, it's, it's never. Yeah. It, it, it never ceases to amaze myself, and especially people kind of brand new into it. Is just how instinctual so much of this stuff is, and and how you know. It's and it true. It's so true. Yeah. So true. It's like how little we have to do as as handlers to to bring some of this stuff out into young dogs. It's just it just goes to show if you have quality genetics that that instinct yep. is built in them somewhere uh so go back to when when you're skeet shooting and you you guys obviously got interested into the dogs it sounds like you got in, intrigued by the dogs before you got that that bug in your head to go try hunting did the did you getting the dogs kind of encourage you to take that next leap into the oh, hunting yeah. space oh yeah absolutely i wouldn't have done it without the experience with the dogs what what uh, what um, was it about the just dogs? Just being out there with them and having that interaction. Yeah, what, what what was it specifically about the dogs that really intrigued you? That said, okay, I I really want to kind of cultivate this and kind of see see them do what they were initially bred to do. I think that that's just it. The just the natural instinct and ability to be able to do what they do just it is so cool to to see that. Um. I don't know how else. it's just, it, it's just really cool to watch them do what they do yeah. and, uh, and be a part of that with them. Right. 
So kind of walk me through your headspace when, you know, you have your experience skeet shooting, but to your point a minute ago, you were a mom, you know, you, you were in charge of the family, you, you were raising them, you know, kind of getting getting comfortable enough to take a, a next step into a brand new venture uh, because of your appreciation for dogs. Kind of walk me through through your headspace as you're kind of working this out, trying to decide if you if you actually want to go try that out. So, like I said, you know, I've been around hunting my whole life. Um, and, um, so it wasn't, uh, it wasn't totally new to me. Um, and just, uh, something for, you know, my husband and I to be able to do together outdoors with the dogs, just, it just all of it together. It, you know, it's just a perfect combination of the things that I enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. Um, it, and it's something new. I, I'm always up for trying something new. Um, I, um, you know, I think sometimes we get really comfortable in our little space and, and some people don't like trying things new, but I'm, I'm very, uh, I guess, adventurous and, um, I, I like, I like that opportunity and you don't know until you try it right? You don't know until you do it. I mean, I didn't know if I, if I said, well, you know, I'll do this. And if, if I don't like it, if I don't enjoy it, then okay, great. But I at least want to give it a chance. And, uh, and I fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I really, really enjoy it. And I, and like, like we said earlier, it's the journey for me. It's all of it. It's being outdoors. I mean, you see just some of the most beautiful landscapes and uh, just the the experience of being outdoors i think i sent you some pictures of um you know we're out there hunting and the sunrises in kansas are just uh amazing and uh just to be able to see that um and and meeting new people um going to new places um that's just that's what I enjoy. I, I, I love experiencing new things. And uh, the, the people in Kansas uh, are just the, the nicest people. Uh, everybody was so welcoming and just very, they, I just can't say enough nice things about them. They're just, yeah. they were awesome. Yep. Well, talk to me about the actual steps you went through. You decide, okay, you're, you, you have the interest, you want to give it a shot. You want to test it out. You you have your husband. You have your sons that you can kind of bounce ideas off of. I want to hear about the actual <laughs> next steps in in how you went forward because let's face it, not not all spouses can get along and, and help each other out, right? It's it, it's it. I think I I think one of the uh, best tips I got from uh, some buddies when I I got into it and and the few times my my wife kind of gets out there and, and tests it out is is if your spouse is going to get involved in whether it's shooting or hunting, find somebody else to coach them because it's not going to end well in the field. So what talk to me about your experience actually going forward in this journey. So uh, that's absolutely true. Um, everything you said. Um, so, but uh, I will have to say, you know, my husband was, is, is was very patient and helping me, um, you know, learn the, all the, you know, there's, when you've never done it before, I mean, he's been doing it his whole life and I'm 61 and a grandmother and I'm just learning this. Right. So it's very different. Um, 
And so he was very helpful in coaching me through, okay, this is, you know, this is gun safety. This is um, how you go about, you know, this is what happens. This is, you know, the birds are going to do this and this is how you should react. And this is how you should, you know, so he did a lot of that preparing me for that. Um, And over time, you do get to a point where um, he's taught me what he can teach me. Right. And um, so hunting is a little bit different. Like when we started fishing, right. He would, I mean, I had fished ever since I was a little girl, so I knew some, something about it, but he, he would teach me a lot. We did a lot of trout fishing. I'm kind of getting off subject here, but, um, but then in fishing, he can show me, teach me, tell me whatever, but then we can go our separate ways. And we do, he goes one way on the stream. I go another way on the stream and I take all that. And then I kind of, I have to teach myself, right? I got to do it. I got to actually have my hands on and, and figure out, okay, well that didn't work and this, and and, you know, do this and do, you know, so you kind of take that information, but then you've got to actually do it and put it together and kind of be in your own head and, and figure that out. Well, in hunting, you can't really do that, or at least I can't, you know, I'm not going to, maybe one day, but not yet. I'm not ready to just go off by myself with a dog and go hunting. Um, you know, uh, not that you can't do that. And there are lots of, uh, people that do that, lots of women that do that. Um, and, and maybe I will get there, but I'm not quite ready to do that yet. Um, and I'm, um, because it is new to me, I am, um, so safety conscious, right? I'm just like, probably, because it's not second nature to me. I'm always thinking about, okay, where's my gun pointing? Where am I walking? How am I, you know, what am I doing? Where's everybody at? Um, so I'm very um, intentional about that. So I'm not ready to go off on my own. But um, but yeah, so we have uh, we have had some, uh, some words, <laughs> should I say, some experiences. Um, where he's gotten a little frustrated with me and I've gotten a little frustrated with him. And so that, yeah, but we, we try not to let it ruin the experience for us. But, uh, now I will to, to say that I was, uh, I was, I don't want to say frustrated, but I don't shoot well and, um, I want to shoot better, right. I want to be able to do better. Um, so on the way back from Kansas, I mean, we're in the car driving back and I'm already hitting up somebody for shooting lessons when we get back. <laughs> so I've already had one lesson. I've got another lesson tomorrow. Um, like I said earlier, we belong to a gun club. And, uh, so I've already told my husband, I said, you, you know, we're going to be going regularly because that's, that's the only way you can get better is just to do it. Yeah. I mean, if you're only shooting once every three months, you're not going to get any better. Um, and again, being, um, older, it's, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta have, you gotta put the practice in, you gotta burn the powder. And, um, so I'm, I'm, and I'm excited about that. Right. I mean, I'll go and, um, and, and, you know, sometimes I'll do better than others and, and I'm okay with that. It's not like I get, oh, you know, I can't do this. I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, it's, again, it's the, it's the process it's, um, learning, meeting new people. Um, and it's, it's the whole, the whole thing, the whole experience, but 
so, so yeah, so he's helped me as well, you know, um, introducing me to some people that can, that can help me outside of him helping me. <laughs> and, um, so I think we both agree. It's probably time for that. Right. Right. I don't want to piss her off and she's got a gun in her hand. Yeah. <laughs> smart man, smart man. That's not the time to have her mad at you. <laughs> yeah, we don't need any field therapy sessions while everybody's got loaded shotguns in hand. It, yeah. you, you referenced earlier you guys went to a, a local preserve and you went out there just mm -hmm. to get comfortable. You didn't even carry a shotgun, or at least it wasn't loaded. Uh, kind of walk me mm -hmm. through your your thought process and how you became comfortable doing it yourself, because I, th I know that that's a big hurdle for a lot of people that are unfamiliar. As you said, there's, there's a lot... For those of us that have been doing it for so long, we can kind of uh, forget just how how I don't know. Imp like there's a, there's a lot to pay attention to, and and if you're brand new to it, everything seems very important. You don't want to screw up the dog. You don't want to screw up the hunt. You don't want to be unsafe, but you also want to enjoy your time. Like there's so many factors and, and stuff going on. If you're not used to it, it's just going at a high speed. So w walk me through stuff like you did on going out without a shotgun walk me through how you became acclimated and comfortable in that environment with everything going on around you to where you were confident that you were being safe and you were able to have fun with it yeah so like you said so um i had had some experience with the shotgun through the skeet shooting right so i was i was had gotten some familiarity with the gun um, and then we went to the preserve and the first time that we went, um, I didn't carry a gun at all. I just fall. I just walked with my husband through the field and we did the hunt. And, um, because I didn't, I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know what it was going to be like, or, you know, uh, I just didn't know anything about it. So I, I wanted to be familiar with the, the environment what the dog's going to do, how is that going to go down, you know, what my husband's going to do and just the whole experience. So I, I did, I went and did not even carry a gun. Um, and, you know, if you, for people that are not used to hunting at all, or, um, you know, you got it such things like just walking through a field, right? I mean, you got to pay attention to the ground and not step in a hole. And, um, you know, there's things like that, just the whole experience that you've got to get used to and become familiar with. So I would highly recommend if anybody's new to it, go without even carrying a gun the first time and just experience what it's like. And um, that was really helpful to me. And it just kind of eased me into it. And then after I did that a couple of times, and then I carried a gun and it wasn't even loaded, right? I wanted to, okay, this is how you walk through the field. This is how you carry your gun um, to be, you know, to be safe and um, just getting, getting used to that feel. And I just kind of gradually worked into it. And then I started uh, carrying a gun and it was loaded. And, um, you know, we were very, being on a preserve, um, you can, you know, the, the, the dog can point and it's usually very predictable. Um, so, so that helped. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of gradually built up to doing it and, um, and it, it, just like anything else, it, 
there are so many different variables, right? Um, and we, when we talk about the Kansas trip, we can talk a little bit about that. But, you know, which way the bird's going to go? What kind of bird is it? Um, is it going to come straight at you? Is it going to go like, you know, over, right? Is the dog going to jump up, right? You know, close to the bird. It's, um, you know, so every situation is, um, it can be a little different. So, uh, and you just kind of get used to that, those variables, the more you do it. I think the first time you started shooting, your decision to shoot was, that was the dog's reward for doing all that he had done or she had done. And you wanted to be part of, it's like giving her a biscuit when she sits. You wanted to be able to try to give her that bird as well when she pointed and right. did everything correctly in the field. Right. I think that was a lot of what you've said in the past too. Right. You wanted, you had that desire to please her, the dog, as much as she was pleasing you. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, that it, <laughs> you feel kind of bad when you, when you miss a, miss a shot or, or whatever. And the dog's looking at you like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So your desire to, to just really kind of make it an experience, not just for yourself, but for your dog as well, kind of brought your, your comfort level out to where, you know, again, it, it kind of goes back to you, you just, your nurturing spirit it's just like okay like your dog's working really yeah. hard i i really want to make this impactful for her and communicate to her that she's doing good and so it sounds oh, like, absolutely it sounds like you really approach this in a, in a very methodical very very uh gathered uh process kind of like what we talk about what when we're even kind of exposing kids or dogs to the equation is just step by step like there's no rush to go full bore you don't have to you know if you decide oh, that you want to try absolutely. hunting you don't have to go by yourself out you know out on the prairies in kansas and just kind of make it up as you go along is is kind of go at your own pace and your own comfort le level and however it makes sense to you uh you know it don't just just go go at your own pace essentially but so, you know, you, you finally get used to it. You, you get used to the situation. You're comfortable in the scenario and, and everything that's playing around you. Now, here comes in Kansas. You guys, as not only just yeah. you, you're wanting to go hunt with your dogs, but typical of, of a grandmother and a mother, you're going to make this a family outing. So I'm assuming, did you get the yeah. bug and suggested, let's go on a road trip, let's try this out? Or did this come from outside someone else in the family? Kind of walk me through how this idea even even came to light. Um, so I think probably my oldest son was probably the biggest instigator. Um we have a friend who uh, goes out West and, and has done this for quite a few years. So we were kind of familiar with, you know, that experience because he's always come back and told us stories and everything. And also just to back up again, a little bit, listening to your podcast. Um, you know, when we got the German short hair and I decided, okay, I might want to do this. I started listening to every podcast and watching every YouTube video I could find. So I could become familiar with the experience. Right. And it, it was a great help. I would highly recommend that to anybody that's getting into this. You know, there, there's so much information out there and the more information you have, the better prepared you are for the experience. Um, so that coupled with my son, you know, he had the wire haired Griffin. He's like, 
you know, hey, are we when are we going hunting? When are we going hunting? So I knew someone who was from out uh, in Kansas. And so I, I talked to them and said, you know, hey, I, I'm thinking about doing this. Do, you know, can you put us in touch with some some of your uh, friends or family that you know out there? And uh, he was, uh, again, being from Kansas, these people are awesome. <laughs> um, he did. He connected us with some people. So we um, we started that process and we're like, okay, we're doing this. We're really going to do this. And um, I mean, we planned it for a long time, probably I say a long time, six months or so. Okay. Um, you know, we started, um, looking at the area. Um, my son, um, got, uh, on Onyx, which, um, was a huge help before, during, uh, and after, uh, the trip on it. I would, I cannot imagine doing this without, uh, that technology, but, um, Unfortunately, our son was with us, so he could do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> at least show you the robes, say so, like, "Hey, it's not that complicated. Yeah. Just look at it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. That's right. So, um, so uh, yes, and then so we just started. You know, we got the the uh, we picked out a route. We uh, made our hotel reservation because it's a twenty hour trip for us from Virginia to, to Kansas. So, um, you know, we, we had to do all the planning. Okay. What are we going to do with the dogs and what's, what do we need? And, and all this. And our friend who has, has done this for quite a few years was a, a huge resource. He, you know, gave us all kinds of pointers on things that we need to do and be prepared for. And, uh, so we went out, we, um, it took us two days to drive out there. Uh, we got there, we went and, um, you know, we had some idea of the area. Um, we hunted, um, all private property. Um, although my, my son was, uh, did become very familiar with some of the Weehaws out there in case we, you know, wanted to take advantage of that. Um, and, uh, we, we just went out and we scouted the, the different areas that we knew we had access to and, and made our plan for the next day. And um, I tell you what, that first morning um, when we were out there, I mean, we were there, of course, being all excited. We were there well before sunrise. And um, as the sun is coming up, you can hear the quail. And um, to be in Kansas on a cold morning, the sun's coming up. And to hear those birds, it's just it it really is magical it's it's a it was awesome just to be able to hear that and um so <laughs> well months months leading up to i'll back up a little bit months leading up to during the planning of this trip we had contacted the family members of this friend and we had approximately 3000 acres of family land to hunt but out of that 3,000 acres, how much of it's ag land? You know, how much of it has beans or, or Sudan grass or, or corn or, or wheat or whatever on it? Well, you know, it's drastically reduced. And, and then you're hunting the edges of that anyway. So you really, I knew going out there, we did not have all that much land to really hunt. Not for an entire seven day, seven days of hunting. We didn't have enough area to hunt. So we were drastically looking at 
nearby what we call wee halls, the walk-in hunting areas. We were looking at those that were nearby and things of that nature. Once we got there, within two days of being there, uh, we talked to people and met people. And we probably had in the neighborhood of 60,000 acres to hunt. I stood on top of a hillside. We met a gentleman. He was, he was cutting corn. We asked him if we could hunt. We were hunting across the road from his property. He pointed at a building that was shining in the sun. It was a silver, uh, like silo off in the distance. And everything's on the grid system out there, a square one mile grid. He said, That's, that silo's five miles away. I live two miles west of that. That's seven miles. He said, you can hunt from here to there and you won't walk off my land. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my Lord. And so, you know, and these guys didn't know us from Adam, but she was in the truck when my son and I were talking to this gentleman. He, and he goes, I thought there were four of you. And I said, well, my youngest son, my wife's in the truck. He said, well, I'd like to meet them too. Well, then he gets mad. He, he acts like he's mad at me. He goes, wait a minute. He said, you can't hunt. And he's pointing at me. And I go, excuse me? He said, you've told me a lie. He said, you were here with your wife. That's your daughter. (laughs) (laughs) He's smooth. He's smooth. Very, very. But they're so nice. Just the nicest people. Um, So, and that, and that's, um, that's a big part of the, the experience as well is just, you know, I'd never been to Kansas before and it's such an awesome, I mean, everything out there is huge. Yeah. It's like uh, everything is big out there and the, and the people were just, uh, were so nice. Um, but anyhow, so we've kind of gotten off track a little bit, but, um, (laughs) well, tell me about your initial reaction of coming from Virginia. This is something that we probably had a a similar reaction. So I'm curious is, you know, a lot of times when we leave the East or the, or the Southeast and we're so used to mountains and trees and and rivers, you go (laughs) out West and it is just completely wide it's open. Totally different. Talk, talk, talk to me yeah. about your your first impression of just there's no trees. Like it, it's just a never ending landscape. It it's it's amazing. Like I said, just being able to experience that um, that space. Um, it it you know, and some people had said, "Oh, there's nothing out there," and. Um, as if like, oh, you're not going to enjoy that. You're just going to be driving forever and there's nothing to see. I I was amazed. I loved every bit of it. I mean, just it's so huge and just goes forever. And I forget exactly where we were, but it's like you, you're driving down the road and then all of a sudden the world just opens up. It's just, and my son called me because he and and my two sons were in their truck and we were in our truck and my son calls me and he said, mom, we're not in Virginia anymore. (laughs) I was like, oh man, this is just, um, it, it, it was just beautiful. It was just beautiful. Um, I I loved every bit of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very different. Um, the one thing that I did not expect was the dust. Oh yeah. Oh my word. The Everywhere. Dust is, I, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I was not expecting that. So, um, but yeah, it's just such a beautiful area. Yeah. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed every bit of it. 
Um, very different from Virginia. Right. So you guys, you guys kind of went out there, you guys kind of had an idea or a feel of where you guys were going to go. And then, you know, kind of ran into a local and it it really opened up y'all's, y'all's hunting access and and what you guys could go explore. Walk me through the actual hunting. Cause again, you know, this is your first big trip. And, and so talk to me about how the dogs performed. Did it meet your expectations, your anticipations? What were your guys' goals going into it? Kind of, Kind of talk me into what you were hoping for and and did it live up to those hopes? So my goal for the trip, now granted, remember, I know that I'm not a very good shot and I've only been doing this for a couple of years, which is a very short time. Um, my goal was to kill one wild Kansas quail for the week. That was my goal. And I did that. Nice. And I was so happy. I was just, uh, and you know, that people are probably going to think that's really lame, but that is such, that's just huge. That was just huge for me. Um, so we went, we, um, we had the three dogs, uh, the, the puppy, um, had very limited experience. He just kind of bounced around all over the place, following after the other dogs. Um, Belle, the oldest one of the bunch, she did really well. She, um, we were able to find birds every day and, you know, she didn't point all of those birds. Right. I mean, this was new to her too. Um, she had never experienced anything like this. So, um, but she, she did point some coveys for us. And, uh, so the specific experience that stands out in my memory with Belle is we were hunting some standing soybean. It was a frosty morning. You know, there's frost all over everything. It's really early. And we're walking through this field and she goes on point. And I mean, she is on a hard point and we're like, okay, here we go. And I was like torn between, okay, do I want to take a picture or do I want to shoot? You know, so I opted for shooting. I should have opted for taking the picture, but that's okay. That's a different story. Um, (laughs) But she's on point. And then we see this one bird, one bird hop up and fly over about five feet and go back down. And she just kind of lifts her head and looks and then goes immediately back down on point where she originally was. She she did not move her body at all. Or like, okay, there's a there's a covey of birds there. And we got got up to her. We flushed the covey. And that was just, that was so cool, you know, and they, you know, they flew off and of course I didn't get any, but that's okay too. It was a great experience. It was awesome. I will always remember that. So the dogs did well. They didn't do great, right? They're not, you know. It's their first trip out, like you said. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. And it was our first experience, Um, but they did good enough. They did, they did good enough. My um, oldest son's Griffin, um, he did great. He pointed on several coveys and several singles. And my son was able to, you know, get some of those birds that he pointed and was just, so he was very, very happy with that. It was, um, it was a really cool experience. So Bob, the puppy, eh, like I said, he was just kind of bouncing all over the place, but the two, um, the Griffin and then our older, uh, short hair did they did good considering you know our experience and their experience with the environment um it was you know the the plum thickets experiencing those 
was very new to us. I hate plum thicket. Yeah, I don't like plum thicket. <laughs> we saw some pheasant. Pheasant are mean. I don't like them. They, um, You can shoot at them and shoot at them, and they just keep on flying away. But, um, yeah. And, um, but it was cool. It was really, really cool to, to see them. And we saw prairie chickens. I think I told you that earlier. We saw, um, some, some prairie chickens and we really didn't know what they were at first. Right. So my sons had seen this group of birds land in the field and we walked up there and we were thinking that maybe they were ducks. Um, and, but then we got up to them, not within shooting range, but they got up in front of us and then we realized those were, they were prairie chickens. Yeah. So um, that was really cool to, to see that. Cause you, you don't see from what I understand, you don't see a lot of them there. So yeah. um, it was cool to be able to see that. Yeah. But um, tell me, yeah, tell me about your guys' initial reactions to you live in Virginia. You already re- referenced earlier. There's not, there's not a great wild bird opportunity in Virginia. They're there, right. you know, it, you, you can get on them if you really want to, but going out right. west, your first time into bird country, you know, we get we got your reaction to the landscape. Contrast the the experience of seeing these wild birds in their natural wild habitat, how they're coveyed up, how they're flushing angry. You know, talk to me about that and compare it to your experience, you know, on on planted birds and, and preserved birds, because, you know, it's it, we, we try and simulate uh, the the real hunt the best we can, but there are just certain elements yeah. we just can't reproduce. So I want to hear your oh, reaction gosh. of seeing those birds. A preserve doesn't replicate her scream when a cousin gets her. <laughs> That's why she can't hit none. <laughs> yeah, they, um, yeah. So very, very different. Very, very different. Um, for one, the a preserve hunt that I've experienced so far are are singles, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, or a couple. Um, out there, you've got true coveys of birds getting up, and if the dog hasn't pointed them and they're just getting up unexpectedly, um, yeah, I do, I do squeal a little bit. But um, so it was it was really it it was really interesting to me throughout the week. Um, I don't know if the guys felt this, they probably were familiar with this, but it was really, um, interesting to me to experience and learn the birds habits, right? Their, um, the, the way that they covey up. And then during certain times of the day, they're out in the fields eating. Um, so, you, you know, you might hunt some brush or thicket or whatever at one stage time of day but during the other time of day they're out in the field so um you have to hunt them differently during different times of the day so it was really interesting to me um just to learn learn that you know their how they operate um but yeah it's totally different than a preserve totally different one there's so many of them um and it the they're um a lot of times you, you, they get up way before you get to them. Um, and sometimes they'll, you know, be singles here or there. And it, it's just very different from a preserve hunt. And they're so fast. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they're so fast. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I tell everybody is, you know, you can, you can simulate it all you want with preserved birds or planted birds. 
But the Wild Birds, you know, regardless of the numbers, as you talked about in the coveys and groups, but just how they flush. You know, once you see yeah. true Wild Birds flush, uh, the intensity of which they're, I mean, they're getting out of Dodge. You know, these these birds know if I don't get out of here, you know, I, I'm lunch meat for, for whatever predators after me. And so they're, they're getting yeah. out of there and they're going a long ways too. It's not, that's yeah. another thing that surprises a lot of people is they're used to, oh yeah, they'll see a bird get up in a, in a planted field and it'll light back down, you know, 20, 40 yards up right. ahead. These wild birds, you might get one on occasion that does something like that to where it goes down to where you can immediately beeline it. But especially if you hunt any mm -hmm. pressured birds at all or it's late season or, or older birds that really have been around the block, they're they're cresting that hill. They're gone. <laughs> they are. Yeah, you're in kidding. It just amazed me how fast they were. The first time. This was opening day. I mean, opening week of Kansas, this Kansas season. So there wasn't any hunting pressure on these birds but the thing that i've never even noticed i've been hunting quail in virginia since the 70s and i've never seen it happen here the way it did out there and that was regardless of how far the birds flew when they hit the ground they would run forever you would go to where here in virginia you see you get a covey up and you might hunt a single or two and sometimes a covey Halfway stays together, depending on the situation. Out there, it didn't matter whether they spread out when they got up or stayed as a covey. You went to where you saw them land, and they were nowhere to be found. They were they would run forever. And it was, I'd never experienced that. Mm -hmm. And we we struggled to find singles because of that. They would run so far. I'm like, well, they got to be right here. And nope. 30 minutes later, <laughs> we've hunted two ridges over, and there's the single. <laughs> you know, they're 500 yards away. And I'm like, how in the world? Yeah, yeah. they're fast. Yeah. They're, but, yeah, that was one thing that definitely was, was different is how fast they are. I, I want to hear the story. Uh, and, and your reaction, I, I mean, I, he, he already talked about you screaming on the, on the cub. He's just excited. I want to hear your <laughs> excitement and, and your, your emotions going through your head when you're holding that first bird mission accomplished. You go out there, your only goal was to get one wild canvas quail. I want to hear once that bird is, is in your hands, what's going through your, th through your mind right now, the emotions, if you can put them into words. Um, we're, we're hunting together. Right. And, uh, Mike had gone back to the truck. So it was just my sons and I, and we were hunting this area and, um, the, uh, the Griffin got birdie. You could tell he was smelling some birds and, um, and the birds got up and I shot that bird and I screamed. <laughs> I was so excited I was, I, and, and my son was like, you did it, mom, you know, and it was so cool to be able to experience that with my kids. Right. And then, um, Bob, believe it or not, Bob, the, the puppy retrieved it. He went and found it and brought it back to me. So that was, that was really, really cool. And, um, yeah, I was, it was, um, not gonna lie. It was, it was a little emotional because <laughs> it just, you know, that's, it's hard. It's hard to do and to, to go to all this effort and actually 
be able to say that I killed a wild Kansas quail. I mean, you know, a lot of people probably think that's pretty lame, but it was just, it was amazing for me. And it was so funny because, so we were kind of towards the end of, of that hunt, right? So I, I had my bird and I walked back to uh, the truck where he was and he's uh, smiling and he said, I knew you either killed a bird or you shot somebody. So I wasn't real sure. <laughs> I was a half a mile away from her and could hear her hollering. And it was, I could tell it was a happy holler. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. It was uh, an experience that I'll never forget. Mm. It, it really was awesome. Did you guys go back to camp, cook it up? Is it get, is it at the taxidermist now? What do we, what did we do with it? No, no, we, uh, we cleaned it and we haven't cooked it yet. It's in our freezer. We brought all of our birds home. So, um, you know, it was, uh, but that memory, but I, I think I sent you a picture of it, but yeah, it was, it was an awesome experience. Right. So I'm hoping for a little bit more success next year. Well, and I mean, that's, that's why we do this is you go out, you, you, you just get a little bit of a taste of it. You learn what you don't know. Right. And then you, you know, you build yeah. off of that. So next year, the, the trip, hopefully knock on wood goes a little smoother or, or more and yep. more and more. And, and that's, yep. you know, you just, you just keep stacking the wins and, and just keep, oh, yeah. keep building it. Uh, you, you know, as, as we start kind of winding this down, down and, and wrapping it up. I, I got a few questions. Obviously there's certain things with, with, uh, you being a woman, I'm a man. I, there's certain things that I just, I, I don't know firsthand. Right. But I hear right. from a lot of, uh, female listeners of, you know, getting involved or, or maybe they're wanting to try it out, trying to figure out the best equipment, you know, just any tips that you can kind of give the female listeners as far as gear or expectations. You know, you talked about kind of uh, getting comfortable entering the world, but on this actual road trip and and hunting adventure with your family, what's what's some of the takeaways that you learned that that you found really worked well for you or maybe it didn't work well for you? First and foremost is um, you need to make sure you have a comfortable pair of boots because you walk a lot and you don't want something that's heavy. Um, I mean, boots in general are going to be a little bit clunky, right? Just by the nature of what they are, but you can get some, I think I have some Keens and they, I mean, I walked in those things all day long and my feet never hurt. Uh, it was, they were awesome. Uh, so whatever, you know, make sure you get a good, comfortable pair of boots. You definitely want to have boots. Don't go out there in tennis shoes or something like that. Um, as far as gear goes, that's, that was really important. Um, the, and you want to be able to dress in layers, um, because you start out in the morning and it's pretty cold. And then it, at least for the time that we were there, it heated up and you got hot. So you need to be able to, to take off the layers. Um, so that was important. One thing that I experienced was it when you're mounting your gun to shoot, it's really easy for your gun to get caught on your clothes. So I would really suggest uh, trying to get clothing that's not too loose. Um, one of the pieces that I had was probably a little loose. I'll probably do something a little bit different um, next time. Um so that that's helpful to have have clothing that's that's more that more fitted so your your gun doesn't catch on it um <laughs> so 
Sunglasses. Don't wear your sunglasses on your croquis hanging down here because you can guarantee you're going to catch them on your gun going up. So mm-hmm. I learned that lesson once and they they were that's on a, top of my hat. The rest that's a good tip. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and those are just things that, you know, when you do this a lot, you, you'll learn. But if you've never done it before, you, you don't realize that that's going to happen. Exactly. Um, what about your uh, vest your, and brush pants? You know, what did you go with a specific brand or were you just kind of out there experimenting um, with the first one that you grabbed? So, so, you know, I would, it's so difficult. I know that there's, there's, there are clothing and there's gear out there for women now where there didn't used to be anything, but it's all so expensive. So um, I would love to see one of these um, manufacturers come up with a line of upland clothing for women that's a little bit more affordable. You can get you can get some stuff, but it's super expensive. So I think I got a pair of Browning brush pants. Highly recommend brush pants. Definitely need a pair of brush pants because in the mornings you're walking through and everything's wet. If you wear a regular pair of pants, you're going to be soaking wet and be miserable. So you definitely need a pair of brush pants. Um, the, um, I've got, I think uh, the shirt I've got on now is the ugly dog hunting shirt. So I, I really like that. It definitely, um, want your clothes to be comfortable. My vest, I can't remember what kind of, the, what the brand is of the vest, but it's a strap vest. Um, but I can't remember the brand of it. It's a suspender vest. And I got that because the the over the shoulder uh, the 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 regular vest type that she had her gun was it was messing up her mounting her gun all the time. Yeah. So I got the just a shoulder mm-hmm. you know belt type uh, vest for her, and it made a difference. It, it she didn't have so much bulk there that it messed her up, and it it did well. It did a lot better. Yeah, I mean you know this the traditional gear of the shirts and the brush pants and the boots and the vest. And, um, you just got to try different, different ones. If you can go to a storefront and actually try on some stuff, that's always helpful, you know, because sometimes you think, uh, you know, you would like something, but then if you order it offline and get it, it's, it's not great. And you have to do that sometimes, but, but it, it's, it's challenging. Um, and some, there may be some women that hear the, this, that might be able to offer some suggestions, but I've looked at a lot of stuff and it's, it's hard to find women's hunting gear, upland hunting gear, um, in general. And then to be able to find something that's affordable, um, is a little bit more challenging as well. So, yeah. So hopefully maybe that'll improve in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So what about lessons learned? You, you guys, 20 hour road trip, you know, that throws a lot of people for a loop. They don't really consider, uh, the travel time, uh, when they start planning these trips, it's one thing to, you know, dream yeah. of Kansas or the Dakotas or Montana. And then it's like, then it comes to actually traveling there. And some people do a lot better on road trips. I'm used to it. I mean, it, it doesn't phase me at all to drive 30 plus hours. I've done it, you know, 20 hour trips enough to do it. But when you're first doing that, tell me about some lessons learned, maybe some tips, tricks that you and your family kind of implemented to travel, not just with yourselves, but with the dogs and the gear and, and everything. Yeah. So we, um, our dogs did amazing. We really did not know what to expect with that. 
they did really, really well. None of them got sick. They they didn't whimper and cry and bark and all of that stuff. Or, you know, they just settled it. We had their crates in the in the back. Now we do have a camper shell on the back of our truck, so they weren't exposed to the weather. Um, and we did have uh, some good uh, foam mats in in their kennels to make it a little bit more comfortable for them. Um, we uh, had the um, the stakeouts where we would stop probably every four hours or so. Three to four hours when we got gas. Yeah, when when we yeah. would stop for gas, we would find a place to stop to where we could put them out and give them you know 15, 20 minutes just to be able to outside to be able to go to the bathroom and just stretch their legs a little bit and maybe give them some water. Um, one thing you want to make sure is that you have um, a container with water to be able to, to give and have bowls to be able to give them water when, when you stop. Um, don't, you know, you need to make sure you have it because you don't always know um, unless you want to buy bottled water at a convenience store and give them that. Um, you don't necessarily know what the water's going to be like to get it from a fa bathroom faucet or something like that. So, um, and your dogs can get sick from some of that stuff, yeah. uh, believe it or not. So we carried a big, like one of those igloo, uh, round orange igloo athletic cooler, um, with water in it. And that it's easy, you know, it's got a little spigot on it and we, it was really easy to get water for them. And we had that with us on the trip. And then all the through the week while we're hunting, um, it made it real easy to be able to to take care of them. Um, so yeah, the stakeouts a comfortable uh, crate for them, and make sure that you have water. Those are the the best tips for um, you know for now. We did um, the hotels that we stayed at on the way out and on the way back. We made sure that we got pet friendly hotels. And um, the, you know, you want to have collapsible crates to be able to carry in uh, to the hotel room and, or at least we did, I, I didn't want the dogs running loose in the room um, and to be able to set that up and for, for them to be in a comfortable, safe space in the, in the hotel room. Um, so that's something that you want to think of if you don't want your dogs sleeping in bed with you. Yeah. Yeah. Good tips. It, it's uh, what's next. You know, it, it, this will be kind of my last question for you and grilling you is, is what's next is you went to Kansas, you get, you, you've really got to dip your toes into it, get the experience, you accomplish your goal. I mean, you, you've been smiling at, you know, this entire episode, pretty much just reliving it and recapping it. Yeah. And, and I, I want to hear, are y'all, you guys already talking about next year? Are you guys talking about a new location going back to the same? What What's next? And, and is it, is this a kind of an annual family thing for you guys? We, we hope so. We are already planning our trip next year, uh, already booking the, the house. Uh, we're going to, the house that we are, that we stayed in this year was great. We're going to, we plan to stay in the same one next year. So we already have identified, you know, when we want to go. And now I've just got to have more shooting lessons between now. And <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. I'm glad that you guys had such a great trip and, and had enough opportunities to at least motivate you to take those shooting lessons. Right. You know, it's, uh, yeah. it, it, you, to, I tell everybody it can be frustrating to miss all the time, but that means means you're at least shooting in the first place that you're exactly right and like i said it's the journey yeah. it's the the whole process of learning something new meeting new people growing um it, it's it's the whole process the, the whole journey 
is what it's about, at least for me anyway. Absolutely. Well, Faith, I I really enjoyed hearing a little bit more about this. You know, it's uh, when you sent me the email, there's a few emails that I get on occasion from from listeners that just bring a smile to my face. And, and, you know, you contributed a a lot of of what I've done on this podcast, at least motivating you or at least making you feel comfortable and trying it. And and I appreciate that kind words. And I'm glad that it it did encourage you in that way. But, you know, it, it did bring a smile to my face. I screenshotted it and sent it to my own sisters and mother and like here you know if y'all want to try it just just let me know uh but you know it's it's been fun kind of hearing you relive the account and and the trip it's just i I love love when people have success and and trying new things and and trying out what i love to do well i and again i i sent you that message and i just um uh, and I truly meant it. it your your podcast was uh, very encouraging, very informative, educational, and I just wanted to you know you're very um, you know welcoming and through your podcast you know relatable. And so I just wanted you to know, yeah, you had a positive impact on me and uh, my experience, and it was we had such a great experience. And I just I just wanted to say thank you for that. Nick, you asked what we did for 20 hours, 22 hours, driving out there and driving back. You want to guess? <laughs> I'm assuming that you guys listen to a certain podcast by the by the context we, of this. Yep. <laughs> yes. We, we listen we listen to about every podcast that's ever been made about Upland Burnham. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. Well, I, I guess I lied. I have one more question. What What's an episode okay. that stands out in your mind that, that really helped you or, or that you just really appreciated? Um, you know, there's so many of them. Um, it's hard for me to, I don't know that I have any that were specific like to this trip, but, um, the, the ones where you, you talk with the, the trainers like, uh, Rick Smith, Mo Lindley, the one that you did, what, what was, I don't remember the lady's name, but it was about like the obstacle course or something. Oh, some Jen, sort of. Jen Broom with the, yeah, the yes. confidence course, op, whatever you yep. want to call it, obstacle course, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those are, uh, you know, those stand out in my memory as being, uh, I really enjoyed listening to them. Um, and again, just, they just add value to my experience with, with our dogs, um, and, uh, the hunting that comes from that. So it's, it's the whole package. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for the reach out and, um, I was glad to explore your, your guys's experience. And I, I look forward to hearing from you in the future and what, you know, your future trips lead to you. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep you posted. Will do. Appreciate it. So y'all have All a great right, day and care. we'll chat soon. All right. Thanks. You too. Bye. Have you ever shot a bird that just keeps on flying and you're standing there saying, I swear I hit that bird? Well, good news. Maybe it might not be you, but rather your shotgun. Go check out UplandGunCompany.com and construct the perfect shotgun that is not only built to your exact physical specifications, but your preferred looks as well. To some people, a shotgun not only has to perform, but look good while doing it also. Upland Gun Company has made this process super convenient and surprisingly affordable when you consider all of the completely customizable features. Get your shotgun order submitted today so you're standing there with your dog saying fetch rather than standing there still saying I couldn't have missed that bird.
All right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Faith Nixon and her husband, Mike. This was presented by Standing Stone Supply, Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. I really enjoyed this conversation. Obviously, you know, she reached out as we discussed in the in the podcast and kind of just gave me a recap of, of their uh, the success of their trip and and just how much it meant to her and, and you know, contributed a lot of, of that success to the podcast. And so I, I jumped at the chance to kind of get her story and, and hear a little bit more about it. It's not every day that you hear from uh, a grandmother that just got into upland hunting. And the fact that she speaks at it from a standpoint of just enjoying the process and the challenge of new beginnings really kind of resonated with me. And so I, I, I really uh, appreciated and, and respected that that outlook. And uh, another thing, you know, I, I love talking to people that are brand new into this. And I know a lot of people, if, if you've been doing the dogs or upland hunting or both for, for a while, a lot of people, you know, they can become frustrated or impatient with, with speaking with uh, new people in the space. But I honestly find that speaking to the new people helps keep me grounded, helps keep me remembering uh, just kind of, for lack of a better term, the magic of it, you know, get, put yourself back in, in those shoes of, of when Faith was talking about holding that hand or, or holding that first quail in her hand and, and just the emotions that it evoked and, and her screaming and, and excited and, and, you know, more or less like you can do this for, for years on end. And, you know, we all appreciate it for, for different reasons. And there, those reasons are always kind of evolving, but nothing really replaces or supplants that first the first of anything the first covey rise the first bird the first dog on point uh and, and just hearing their appreciation for those first i mean just you heard in this episode her appreciation for her first trip out west into kansas and and seeing the landscape and and how just a stark difference it is from from her normal home and, and environment in virginia to kansas and and then just the the process of traveling and then of course the birds themselves it even goes beyond just having the, the infectious uh, energy and, and the memories and, and, and just that, that contagious uh, excitement. It, it's also the fact that when you talk to the new hunters, hopefully they're, they're realistic on their capabilities as much as Faith was about hers. You, you heard her speak about you know her, her shooting ability, the shooting safety, but also her willingness to not only learn from her husband, Mike, but other people that were trying to help her from, from her sons and then trying to research and, and learn and study things on her own through podcasts or YouTube videos, you know, all that stuff is, you know, is what I refer to as like keeping the soul. And, and it's very easy to get lost in what each one of us does from, uh, if, especially if we've been doing it for a long while, is, is we have to remember to stay grounded and what we enjoy about this, what, you know, whether that is the dogs, the birds, the, the, uh, combination of both, whatever, uh, it's just always a good reminder when I speak to somebody brand new into this. And, and I thought that this episode was really fitting. I know new year's was last week, but I thought this episode was, was really a good one to, uh, to really kind of look at things in a new light for this new year. And, and, 
just like Faye, she wasn't intimidated or, or, or scared to try something new and step out of her comfort zone and get out there and go do it with, with her family. This year, you know, 2024, you hear it every year, you know, if if you have to think about it, just go do it, you know, go go take that trip, go learn this, go do that. If you want to go do it, what whatever, if it's a new hobby, uh, a specific trip that, that's been in the bucket, on the bucket list for a while, go do it. If it's a new species, just new experience, whatever, go do it. And, and that's something I've been trying to live by for the past couple of years, and, and I've more or less kind of uh, accomplished it. You know, obviously, there, there are certain realistic uh, constraints in life, whether that's work or money or whatever. But if you really want to try and do something like this, you can do it. I mean, you can figure out a budget-friendly option, and and just go make it happen and and that's you know I'm not the biggest uh, New Year's resolution kind of guy I'm I'm a very goal oriented individual anyway uh, but there is something to be said about a new year and just kind of a new slate to where you know every even breaking it down by hunting season it's just like okay well here here comes a new season or this season passed what do we work on to improve on the next one and uh, you know. In that vein, in that spirit, you know, with New Year's, uh, I thought it might be fun to just kind of share a, a few apps or, or uh, platforms that I use to kind of help keep myself structured and, and uh, to varying different degrees. So, you know, if you're heading into the new year and let's say, you know, let's take some of the more common resolution or goals, fitness. If you have a, a fitness goal for the year of 24, which I highly encourage and, you know, fitness, that's that's arguably one of the most important things you can do for yourself. Uh, the Garmin Connect app is something that in 2023, I really, really explored and got used to, to using that on a daily basis. I think a lot of people that use it just think that it's only good for tracking dogs or telling the time or whatever. And of course it does those things and I use it for my own hunting as well. But if you really kind of explore it, there there's a lot of capabilities on that Garmin Connect app. I mean, everything from tr uh, planning and, and setting up your own training regimen and your routine to even mapping out your own route. So you can actually go on your desktop or, or laptop and and plan your route out this isn't just for jogging or cycling you can actually do this for hunting or, or dog training you can actually plan individual routes and then the watch will actually notify you when to take a left or take a ride or get back on the route or something like that so if you're if you're you know heading out west and, and you're maybe unfamiliar with the area or, or whatever you can set up pre-designated routes if you will if, if you're inclined to do so and you can share that with your spouse or, or whatever. So if you're uncomfortable going out there by yourself, maybe that kind of gives you some kind of uh, security. But th there's a lot of elements within the Garmin Connect that uh, just, just the tracking and analytics I really appreciate and, and enjoy. So if you're into fitness, maybe check out one of the Garmin watches. And of course, I'm not affiliated with Garmin, so I'm not getting any kickback for this or whatever. This is just something I use on a day-to-day -day basis uh, that I really enjoy. Uh, Another app that I use is, you know, 2023, I found that I was really like so many other people spending entirely way too much time on my phone and specifically on social media. And uh, Instagram was kind of my my uh, drug, if you will. And so uh, 
I, w- I was really kind of looking for an app, and of course, you can do the little timeout thing on your on your Apple iPhone, and and it's built in. But it, it was very easy to surpass. It was just you know your time limit comes up, and it, it asks if you want to ignore it. And if it's just one click away, like it is on the Apple uh, software, it doesn't do a whole lot of good. So I wanted something that it was I could set up the schedule beforehand while I'm not wanting to search or surf Instagram, if you will. And, uh, there's no way around it. And, uh, I found that it, the app is called clear space. And once I put that on my phone and linked up Instagram, I think you get one app for free on that. I think you can, you can add Facebook or whatever other apps on your phone if you're spending too much time on it. And of course you got to pay up for it. But, uh, that app I found really useful for really curbing the amount of time I spent on my phone. And, uh, I mean, it was an immediate, uh, result. So it wasn't one of those things you have to put in and then, and then wait to see results. It, it, it immediately changed it for myself. So if, if you're trying to spend a little less time on, on the screen this year, maybe uh, try clear space. And I believe it even works for websites. So you can't even like circumvent it by going on your regular computer if uh, that's an option for you. Another one, this is kind of a, l- a little bit newer for me, but something that's really helped so far in the past couple weeks that I've been implementing it, it's uh, for those people that are trying to become more proficient in, in scheduling and, and kind of collaborating and using calendars, whether that's with your family or, or work or what have you, Calendly is an app that I've found uh, really helpful in scheduling even these podcast episodes. It's, again, this is something newer that I'm using. Using, but uh, it's really easy. I can just kind of link my calendar to it. And then if somebody's asking for a phone call, a Patreon patron, possibly asking for some help on something, I can just send them the calendar and then they can, you know, uh, mark out 15 minutes for a phone call on that and it automatically shoots the link. So again, you know, this isn't a productivity or optimization podcast or what have you, but I thought in the spirit of New Year's and, and people, you know, tend to be a little bit more goal oriented this early on figured I'd share you know my top three apps or or products that I use and again no affiliation I'm not getting a kickback I don't have a referral link for any of these things or not but uh you know especially the Garmin one a lot of us are using the Garmin watches and and it just the capability that that thing has I, I really enjoy the Garmin Connect app. So take that for whatever it's worth. Uh, Again, hope you enjoyed this conversation uh, with Faith and we'll be back here soon with another episode. Thanks as always for joining us and hitting download and play. Uh, Wish everybody the best of 2024. If you haven't already, start figuring out those big dream trips in the fall. Uh, You know, it seems like it's forever away, but as we all know, it goes in a blink of an eye and it'll be here before you know it. So if your hunting season's already wrapped up, don't worry. You know, just go to sleep tonight and it'll feel like you're waking up tomorrow and it's hunting season again and you'll be asking where all your prep time went. So uh, again, hope everybody had a great holiday season and safe. We'll talk soon and uh, thanks. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again and year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want.
If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.